Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And we are back on the Believe in the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Golden, a Jets X-Factor. I got former Jet running back Lamont Jordan here with me. Also, and as always, thank you to betonline.ag for sponsoring. Always a nice sponsor of the Believe Podcast Network. Lamont, it was quite the game on Sunday. The New York Jets snapped a 12-game AFC East losing streak, beating the Miami Dolphins by a score of 40-17. to We saw an explosion from Brees Hall. We saw some good plays by the defense, Sauce Gardner's first career pick, and we saw some sad Dolphins fans leaving MetLife Stadium at the end of it. This was a pretty incredible game. I know we were both excited from an entertainment perspective last week talking about it. I think it lives up to that and more. We got a lot to get into. Let's review that a little bit and look ahead next week at Green Bay taking on the Packers. First things first, Lamont, I think you're the perfect person to talk about this with. Brees Hall, like I said had his coming out party for lack of a better word, 197 total yards, uh, rushing touchdown on top of that could have had three touchdowns because he got tackled at the one, uh, two separate times on big gains as a running back yourself. What are you seeing from Brees Hall as a pro that, that is that's making him so effective? Um, I think I'm seeing the same things that I saw from him out of college, but I just think that he's faster. Um, he's more decisive. I mean, some of these cuts that he's making, his ability to make guys miss. Um, you know, I was watching a replay of the game today, and when I saw him run, and I don't want people to 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 get out of line when I say this, he reminds me a lot of a Damian Thomas when he's running the ball. His ability to stretch and cut, and I'm talking specifically about when he's stretching. And he's coming to approach a guy to make him miss his ability to put his foot in the ground, find that small crease and burst into it. We really got a chance. And we talked about this on the show, um, you know, that Brees was, you know, in my opinion, he was the top running back coming out of his league, coming out of college this year. And man, oh, man, is he showing it. He is looking good. I mean, listen, he's looking great. I think he was solid in pass protection. And I think he's only going to continue to get better and better as the season goes on. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, and I think that's the biggest thing for any player, really, when they're a highly touted prospect and they're coming out of college and they're going to the NFL. Do they translate to the league? And what that means is, are they winning in the same ways that they were winning in college? Are they still just as fast looking as they were in college, running against pro athletes as, a pair as, as compared to college players? Do they have the same sort of awareness to what's happening around them are they able to break tackles in Brees Hall's cases breaking an NFL tackle different than breaking a, a college tackle and, and he looks like the exact same guy he did at Iowa State he's mm -hmm. pulling away from defenders to the corner with the same ease he's making people miss in space with the same ease he's reading his blocks well it took a couple of weeks for him but I think that's really starting to get into where we're seeing his vision really start to take over he had a run in this game I don't remember exactly when during the game it was, uh, but it wasn't a huge game. It was about nine yards, but it was really impressive to me. It was on a split zone play where he gets the ball and he's got uh, CJ Uzama, who's his tight end, who's working back to try and block the defensive end. The offensive lines go in the opposite direction on a little bit of a zone crease and Brees 
takes the ball. He hesitates. He waits for the block from Uzama to, to, to land. And then he explodes through it. He gets about three steps through the hole and he's got his linebacker or his guard. I think it was Lakin Tomlinson moving up to the linebacker and you see him hesitate and pause a little bit. And he waits for that block to be sealed. And then he cuts behind that and he turns a very, very suspectly blocked run that could have been tackled for loss into a gain of nine. And that's yeah. what you really want to see out of a good running back. I know when we were talking about the draft, um, you had Brees Hall as your top guy. I had him as kind of the one B to Kenneth Walker. But the one thing I said is I wanted to see more of Brees Hall's ability to turn those lost yards into big plays. And I really think that's what we saw out of this week. And I really hope we're going to see more in the future. I think he's really starting to click. Yeah, he is. And you're, and, and you're starting to see the, the one-two punch of him and Carter. You, you can see how he's able to break tackles um and 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 even carter i think carter has some solid runs i think that there were the one thing that was concerning for me was the number of tackles for losses like runs that resulted in losses um even on that one play that you're talking about with Brees, if it wasn't for him just just making a an outstanding play that would have been another tackle for loss so those are things that i'm hoping that we'll correct against green bay and we'll talk more about that as we prepare for green bay but all in all, you know, we talked about this at the beginning of the season where we were just kind of throwing out, <clears throat> excuse me, some some stats that we were anticipating was going to happen. And these backs are really these backs are are holding up their end. I mean, they are they are contributing in all areas. They're doing uh, especially Brees doing a great job in pass protection. Um, and for the most part, the guys are doing a great job of holding on to the ball. So as long as as long as these guys can continue to stay healthy, can continue to, to hold on to the ball, I think that this offense is going to be the offense is going to continue to be more and more consistent as they continue to evolve in this run game. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, and I think that the one underrated aspect of Brees Hall that quite honestly, I think he may be better at in the NFL than he was in college. And that could have been for, for lack of use by his coaches. And that's a different argument. It's neither here nor there, but I love his ability as a receiver. I love the weapon that he is in the passing game, because if you have him, like we saw this past week, you get him in the backfield, you run a little play action where he's running a wheel and you got a bunch of read options sort of looking action to distract the defense and he slips up the sideline and he's wide open for a big play and then when you have a guy like him you get him in space he's able to go the distance get to 79 yards and he probably adds an extra 15 of that at the end by being able to run through tackles where mm -hmm. he's not giving up and he's dragging quite literally a dolphins defender by his ankles all the way to the one yard line we saw later in the game when the jets were driving i think this was to extend uh, expand their lead it was 19 it was either 19 to 17 at this point, or it was 26 to 17 after the first touchdown by Carter. But I think it was before that where Brees Hall runs a little bit of a, a swing route out of the backfield. And he's just the check down and he's able to make guys miss cut up field and gains 21 yards. And I just think that that is when you have a guy that's a dangerous runner and also a dangerous receiver, it makes it so hard for the defense to know what's coming. And I think a, a good example to, to compare in the opposite direction is the Green Bay Packers, where you look at the Packers in their backfield, Aaron Jones is very much their main receiving back. He's still a great runner. He can still run the ball effectively and, you know, be good at all of that, but he's really the guy that they want to be throwing the ball to when they want to run the ball and get behind their pads and get downhill. That's usually when AJ Dillon comes in and he's more the, you know, the bruising sort of back. So as a defense, you can get a little more of a key to think, okay, they might be running the ball more. They have two tight ends and A.J. Dillon in the game. 
where if they were to have two tight ends and Aaron Jones, it could be a play action. They could eventually motion Jones out as a receiver and split him out wide. There's a bunch of different keys for the defense to look at. But when you have a guy like Brees Hall who can do both, all your plays are available to you at all times. You don't have to switch out a different player to, to fill a specific role. You have the one guy that can do everything and the defense isn't going to know what's coming. I think that's a huge part of his, uh, his value. I agree with you. I agree with you hundred percent on that. Um, and we have to remember he's just a rookie. He's going to continue to get better. Carter is in his second year. He's going to continue to get better. All of these guys that we have on the offensive side of the ball, with the exception of Corey Davis, these who are, who are our go-to weapons, all of these guys are young. And so I, I just fully anticipate that these guys will continue to get better. Uh, we have to remember, this is Zach's, what, second game back? And I still think, uh, listen, Zach is looking good, man. Yeah, he is. Zach, Zach looks good out there. And we're seeing how we're seeing how critical it is that we have a quarterback that is also mobile. What he's able to do with his feet, what he's able to do with his legs, work in the pocket, being dangerous as a run. I mean, it's really helping his team out. And I think that it was a critical part in why we were able to get the victory against Miami is because of his ability in the pocket. The fact that he's throwing, he's throwing some dimes. I think it was in the second half, he threw a corner route to Corey Davis, man. And it just looked, I'm sorry, I think it was a lot. It was Corey Davis he threw the corner route to. And, man, I mean, he just took the snap, dropped back, and just looked like he was just out there playing catch on a, on a, on a, on a nice spring day, man. I mean, he's looking good. And I think that this offensive line is going to continue to get better. The more these guys work together, the old line is going to get better, and this offense is going to continue to get better. So between Hall the fact that Zach is back, and I think that he's going to be even better now that he's going to get his third game under his belt. <clears throat> um, you know, I'm loving what I'm seeing from this team. And the 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 I know that we start off talking about Hall and, and we're talking about Zach and all the weapons that we have, but I just have to say this. Man, oh man, oh man. Our punter man is a serious, serious weapon. We have to understand that the, 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 the group that set the tone, that I believe set the tone, which helped us, which led to our victory, is the special teams. Offense comes out, doesn't get in scoring position. The first two punts were downed inside the 10-yard line by our special teams. Berrios had a punt return to, I think, the 48 or the 49-yard 49, 49 line. These are the first three series of the game. Our special teams, and especially, man, I, I, you know, I, I brought it up last week. I didn't mention his name. I'm going to mention his name today. Man is a weapon. And in games that are going to be close, especially as we talk about the possibilities of where the Jets can go this year, our special teams unit, especially our punter, being able to change field position and forcing teams to go 90-plus yards on a consistent basis, great job to the special teams. 110%. Braden Mann has had a, an incredible bounce back. He had a rough first game. He didn't really play well all that season at the beginning. He got injured. The Jets signed Thomas Morstead off the street, who came in and punted very well for them. And then at the end of the year, they decided to let Morstead go and keep man. There were a lot of fans that were upset about that because they were surprised that the Jets had, by all intents and purposes, a better punter that they were letting walk out the door. Has a rough week one, like I said, this season. And since the Cleveland game, Braden Mann has been lights out. 
He's been absolutely lights out. He has been fantastic angling punts direction wise. They aren't getting many touchbacks. The unit as a whole is being able to get downfield and pin uh, teams close to their own end zone. Like you said, it's doing a lot to help out their field position. It's doing a lot to help out the offense and bail the defense out when they need to to let the defense go out and get a stop. If you have a guy that can punt down to the five, then you're going to help your defense out on top of that. And then when you've a guy like Berrios that can get you returns to the 50 pretty dang frequently, it's going to help your offense with good field position too. Special teams was a big help, but I could be not be, I would be remiss if I did not mention at least for a couple of minutes, the absolutely incredible unheard of amazing stuff we are seeing from Elijah Vera Tucker mm. to play three different positions in the NFL on the offensive line mm-hmm. in three straight weeks one of which he had never played before being right tackle this past week and give up zero pressures, zero hits and zero sacks is astounding. Mm. I don't care. The dolphins have a good defensive line. It's not even like he was going against scrubs, but it doesn't matter who he's going against being an NFL offensive lineman and starting at a position you have never played before and playing very, very well, if not fantastic, that deserves a lot of recognition AVT, in my opinion, has been the best player on the Jets this year, and I don't even think it's close. I think he's been AVT is their MVP, and they would be completely and totally lost without him on this offensive line right now. The the way that he is able to stabilize things and the versatility to to get their best five out on on the line, however it ends up shaking out, it, it can't be understated. I am overjoyed with Elijah Barry Tucker. I, I would whatever he is due for a contract, Joe Douglas, give him anything he wants. And, and I was getting ready to say, it sounds like a guy that's putting himself in position to get paid a lot of money. Dang Um, right. When, whenever you can play three different positions on the offensive line, as long as you can stay healthy, you're going to stay in the NFL for a long time because they they can move you all the way around. And I agree with you. I mean, like if we had a pro bowl uh, next year, right now, I would say two jets that, that I would look at, would be Vera Tucker and man right now, those two guys would be in. They're doing a great job. We just need the rest of these guys to, 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 to come on board. But what he's doing goes back to what I was hitting, what I, you know, kind of what I was hitting on just about the job that the offensive line has done up until this point. And why you want to have Zach Wilson, his feet allows what he does with his legs allows things to stay alive. And when they're able to make plays like that, it's more of a boost for the offensive line opposed to a quarterback who's going to take that sack. And now these guys are getting down on themselves. And I, I got to take my head off once again to Coach South. The way that he's able to get his players to buy in and come out and compete the way they do. Listen, man, it's been a long, long, long time since I've watched the Jets team. And I could say that this is a fun team to watch, man. This is it a is. full team to watch, and this is a group. This is a great group of players that, whether you're a Jets fan or not, if you know what's happened with the Jets in the last three or four years, if 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 you look at Coach Saw, if you look at these young players that we have, this to me is a team that, whether you're a Jets fan or not, if you're just a football fan, you love watching this team play. Oh yeah, they play with a ton of energy. They play with violence. They play with good technique for for the most part. And they play with a, a, a thousand percent, a bunch of energy on top of that. 
it's a it's a great group to watch they play hard they play for each other there's nothing i love more than watching this team because you don't see it that often i know we've mentioned this before but anytime someone on their team offense or defense makes a play the whole team is celebrating the yes. whole team the whole team is celebrating like they did it themselves where you have guys celebrating plays that they didn't make harder than the plays that they do make themselves and that's it speaks to how tight the locker room it is it speaks to the belief that they have in each other it speaks to the confidence that they have as a unit. And it goes right back to Robert Sala. Like you said, it all starts at the top and it all starts with him and the culture that he has brought in. Let's get to the defense a little bit before we move on to green Bay. Carl Lawson had an explosive game. Mm-hmm. And I think we're, we're starting to see the Carl Lawson that we've been waiting for, for, for well over a year. Now at this point, the explosiveness, the power, the, the bend at the top of his rush, the relentlessness, you know, all of that, really started to show up for him. I still think we're waiting for the true dominant two and a half sack game from Carl Lawson, but gets a forced fumble that Quinn and Williams was able to t- pick up and take to the dolphins, like five yard line added seven quarterback hits total. I think on the day, which was the most in a game by a, a single player this season by anyone in the league. I think I had read mm-hmm. great game from him. Great game from Quinn and Williams again. I thought this was John Franklin Myers' best game of the year so far, not only in the run game, but causing disruption in the pass game. He actually hit Skylar Thompson, who came in as the Dolphins quarterback when Teddy went down, uh, and that hit led to Sauce Gardner's interception. And that's not going to be an interception if JFM isn't there to hit his arm, uh, hit Thompson's arm as he's throwing. Not that Sauce was out of position or in bad coverage, but just the way he's playing it, he's playing it top down and he's playing a comeback route. And if the ball's out and on time, there's just not going to be enough time for him to undercut it. He might still break it up, but it's not going to be the interception that it ended up being. And I think that that is the last game against the Dolphins was finally the example of what we've been waiting to see, which is the coverage and the rush marrying each other and matching and working in tandem. Where mm-hmm. if JFM is going to get pressure on the quarterback, then Sauce is going to be back there to pick it off. If you're going to have Carl Lawson getting pressure it's uh, and getting a strip sack, it wasn't an immediate win. It took a while for him to fight through the tight end, work his way around and get to Thompson and knock the ball out. Coverage on the back end allowed for him to do that. And I really starting really think you're starting to see this unit kind of form together and piece everything together the way they've been hoping for. Yeah, I agree with you. And one guy that I want to bring up is Quan Alexander. Yeah. Uh, he, great game. I, I, I see him out there just striking guys, man. He is doing a great job all around from the defensive standpoint. I'm loving what I'm seeing from these guys. They continue to fly to the ball. Um, great job on Tyreek Hill, I think. Although there were a couple of times where I was, oh, 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 good job, good job, good job. Man, they did a great job on Tyreek Hill. And when you can neutralize Tyreek the way that they neutralized, we talked about it coming into the games that we couldn't allow the Dolphins' backs to, to, to have a say-so in this game. I really think the Dolphins were able to get their running game going at some point. Um, I didn't like that. That's the one thing that I, that I saw from the defense is that, that we have to be better stopping the run. If it wasn't for the Dolphins being in a situation where either penalties were moving them back, so they had to pass the ball, um, they were doing a good job of running the ball. And that's something that we're going to have to make sure that that we're on top of this week as we get ready for the Green Bay Packers. Um, but great job to the defense. I mean, the defense is what's keeping us in these games. I mean, the defense is doing a great job. And we talked about it coming into the game. You know, we talked about 
two specific areas last week that, that I kind of broke down where I say we have to look at third downs and we have to look at turnovers. We're on third downs. The Dolphins were 4 for 11 We were 5 for 11 That was a wash. Turnovers. The Dolphins, a team that really does a good job of holding on to the ball, turned the ball over twice. The Jets, a team that's, that's up there in the top five as far as giving the ball away, had no turnovers. And that was the difference in the game was third down was a wash. We were able to generate some turnovers defensively and offensively we held on to the ball. And that's something that we're going to have to make sure that those are two more stats that we're going to carry on for the remainder of the year, but especially for this Green Bay game. We cannot allow Green Bay to convert on third downs and we have to make sure that we take care of the ball. So great job by the defense, um, generating some turnovers, getting pressure on the quarterback, getting the hits, on the quarterback. Listen, if you don't get the sack, okay. But if we look at the stat sheet and at the end of the day, the quarterback's been hit nine or 10 times, bravo, job well done. Yeah, no, that's that's all you can hope for. The Jets had 16 quarterback hits against the Dolphins. That, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a that's a beat down uh, on the quarterback if you're hitting them 16 times in the game. They only had two sacks. Like you said, if you, if you don't get the sack, you know you got close. 16 quarterback hits is a lot. And eventually that adds up as the game goes on and it's going to make some quarterbacks pretty hesitant. I agree. I think the run game in terms of defending the run got a little bit worrying uh, in the middle of the game. I'm also going to say this. I think Raheem Mostert is like the most underrated running back in the league. And I don't know how many other players hit the creases that he was hitting as fast as he was hitting them and as, as fluidly as he was hitting them. And I think a lot of the Jets' biggest gains that they gave up in the run game would be a lot smaller gains if it wasn't Raheem Mostert running the ball uh, going against them. So I'm hopeful that this is going to be a, a bad matchup in terms of the Dolphins' offensive line getting a few good plays where they were getting pushed off the line, they were giving Mostert room to run, but I think it was Raheem Mostert's talent that really turned it into the gashing that it, that it looked like. Because outside of that, the Jets haven't had a problem stopping the run this year. This is the first time uh, all season, really, I was saying they're getting completely and totally moved off the line of scrimmage and dominated even in the Browns game. Nick Chubb had a good game overall, but I thought they did a good job keeping him contained for most of the game. And it was only a couple of times when they really gave up, you know, the line of scrimmage and got the ball ran down their necks. I'm hopeful that this will be something that improves going forward. And I just think Raheem Mostert could be that good. They did an excellent job limiting Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle had three catches for 23 yards. It's his lowest total of the season. Tyreek Hill had 44 yards on five catches. It's the second lowest total of the season. Nice. So, yeah. So they did a, an absolutely fantastic job. And this is the where I want to end with this Dolphins game overall, because I know there's been a huge discourse about it since then. A 40 burger is a 40 burger in the mm -hmm. NFL. Mm -hmm. A 23-point victory is a 23-point victory. Those don't happen by accident. And I don't care that the Dolphins had their third-string quarterback in. Would the game have been different with Teddy Bridgewater? Yeah, I'm sure a little bit. I'm sure Teddy would have been able to go through his reads a little quicker, maybe made some throws under pressure. But I don't think Skylar Thompson was horrendous. I don't think he was incapable of completing passes. It sounds like Teddy's going to be healthy this week, and the Dolphins are choosing to start Thompson anyway and they're going to have Teddy backing him up all preseason long. Dolphins fans were, were 
shouting from the heavens being, oh my God, look at this guy. Cause Skylar Thompson led the league in passing in the preseason. Mm. And they're going, oh, he's a seventh round pick and, and he's playing so well. And we might have this guy, you know, that we took in the seventh round that maybe we could turn into a trade piece down the road, or maybe he becomes Tua's backup, or this was before the year when they were still questioning Tua. And you had some people going, well, maybe he's the guy and it's not even going to be Tua. Let's not play revisionist now and flip things back and go, oh, well, now it's a third string quarterback. Nothing counts. If this was a one point Jets victory against the Dolphins third string quarterback, I wouldn't be saying this but you don't win by 23 points by accident in the NFL ever. And whether it's a third string quarterback or not, this was a quality win by the jets. The dolphins did not lead for a single second of the game. Were there times where the jets lead was bigger or smaller? Yeah, absolutely. But the dolphins never got out to a lead. The jets never had this game out of reach. And I thought that their offense did plenty against the dolphins defense to make the third string quarterback argument irrelevant. I don't know where you stand Lamont, but that's where I'm at. If Teddy Bridgewater was playing the entire game, the game still would have resulted, it, it would have ended the same way. Because if you look at the first play of the game, Teddy Bridgewater got hit and got hurt on the first play of the game. On the first offensive play for the Dolphins, I should say. All right. He wouldn't have had time to get to his second and third reads because the defensive line was doing that great of a job of making sure that they apply pressure. So this whole idea, and I get it that, hey, you know, yes, it was their third-string quarterback, but it's a guy that people had high hopes for. Um, there were a couple of throws in there that were underthrown that I think Teddy Bridgewater probably would have given them a better shot, but I'm I'm not 100% sure on that, just simply because when those balls were underthrown, it's large part because he couldn't even step into the throw. So this idea that, hey, you know, it's their third-string quarterback. At the end of the day, let's remember who we're talking about. All right. And this goes back to the receipts that coach was talking about. Uh, he's checking receipts. At the end of the day, this was a hot Dolphins team. This was a Dolphins team that came in that 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 uh, played against some tough opponents, got some good wins. And at the end of the day, they were they were playing the New York Jets. Nobody really expected the Jets to win the game. And so to win the game to win the game the way they did in dominant fashion and to win by as many points as they did what this shows me is that the jets franchise is just headed in the right direction so i'm not worried about that all that noise uh about oh it's a third string quarterback at the end of the day he doesn't play defense at the end no. of the day he doesn't he, he's not running he's not blocking a gunner from going down and down in a punt inside the 10 yard line so this was a total team win by the Jets. So this idea that, yes, in most situations, I would say, yeah, hey, it's your third string quarterback. But I said it. I said it at the beginning of the season. I said it before the game. And I'm going to say it again. There is something eerie that is going down, that is going on down in Miami. And I think that karma is finding it. I think that this is just the beginning of the destruction of the Dolphins for this year. So whatever high hopes they have, I don't have high hope for the Dolphins. The Jets came, the Jets had a home game against the, the first time that they faced the AFC East opponent this year. And at the end of the day, they got out, they went out there and they took care and they got the victory. Because what nobody's talking about is Jermaine Johnson. Did he play the whole game? No. He didn't play the whole game and he's out there dominating. So I don't want to hear any noise. We were without our rookie. They were without their, they were without Teddy Bridgewater and they were without him because on because our defensive coaches did a great job of scheming up. He got hit on the first play and he got knocked out of the game. So as far as I'm concerned, I don't care what anybody else says. The Jets 
the Jets did what they were supposed to do. They got a victory. Not only did they get a victory, they led the entire game. Not only did they lead the entire game, they pulled away, and this thing wasn't even close. Yeah, absolutely. No, the Jets played uh, <clears throat> the Jets played the Dolphins' third-string quarterback and won by 23 points, as they should. If you're going to be a team that's hopefully trying to get into the playoffs, if you're trying to change the narrative and become one of the better teams in the league consistently, when you go against a division rival who's starting their third-string quarterback, you should beat them by 23 points. That's that's what should happen. Jets have passed. Jets of old might have lost that game. Jets yes. of old might have only won by a field goal. Might have been trailing for most of the game and took a, a late magical comeback to come back and win. A 23-point win is a 23-point win, like I said. It doesn't matter how it happens. The NFL is tough. These are all professionals, and everyone's trying their best to, to be the best players and best teams that they can be. 23-point victories don't come easy. And this will be the last thing I say before we get to Green Bay. I don't see anybody questioning the Ravens and Bengals for beating Joe Flacco. Mm. How about that? How about that? that right, Lamont. right there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it to me. Yeah, I mean, where, where's the, you know, let's talk about receipts. Where's the asterisk by those games? Because the Jets had their backup quarterback in. Where's the asterisk for the Jets being down their top four offensive tackles in this game still and won by 23 points. So you can yes. make the injury argument all you want. I don't think there's any point in trying to. This was a quality win by the Jets, regardless of how you slice it. Looking forward to next week. This game is huge mm. because if the Jets can get to four and two, which I don't think anyone anticipated that they would have done, and go into Lambeau and beat Aaron Rodgers' Green Bay Packers. If this last week against the Dolphins didn't put the NFL on notice, then that definitely will. If you can walk out of Lambeau Field with a win and have the, the Rodgers-led Packers reeling and the Jets sitting at 4-2, comfortably above 500 six weeks into the season, I think the rest of the league is going to have to pay attention and you're going to have to give this team the respect that they're starting to garner. garner. So for me... If you want to get that win, I think we have to start with the Jets defense and how you stop Aaron Rodgers, because whether the weapons around him are as talented as they were, the offensive line is as talented as it was, is irrelevant. Aaron Rodgers is still a Hall of Fame quarterback. He can mm -hmm. still play like a Hall of Fame quarterback. This isn't Peyton Manning in his last year before retirement, where he could barely throw a 10 yard out route without the ball dribbling. Aaron Rodgers is still a freak. Defending him is still a problem. And I don't care who else they have on the offense. Limiting him is going to be number one. So when I am trying to limit Rodgers, the worst possible thing that I would do is try too hard to fool him. Because if there's any slight bit of miscommunication on the back end, or if there's anything that Rodgers sees a safety rotation and he knows that it's coming, He's going to be the type of guy that's going to hot route one of his receivers into the perfect position to get into the empty space, and it's going to turn into a chunk play. I think this is the game where the Jets' philosophy of bend but don't break, we're going to have all this team speed on defense, we're going to know where we are, and we're going to know how teams want to attack us, we're going to trust our keys and come downhill and try and do everything we can that way. I think that's the best way you go to defending this Packers offense because from a skill position-wise, the Packers offense isn't loaded with a ton of dangerous talent where you're particularly worried about stopping one guy on their offense. The one guy I'm worried about stopping on their offense is Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not giving him anything for free. I agree with you on that. 
I agree with you on that. And for me, like coming into this game, the first note that I have is that we have to weather the first quarter storm. That's what we have to do. And it starts with stopping Aaron Rodgers. Um, as I'm, as I sat down and I watched film on Green Bay, and I'm, and I'm just thinking about this game and just trying to see how this game is going to play out. You have to, first and foremost, you have to stop the run game. If we allow Green Bay to establish their run game, their, Green Bay is going to win this game. Yep. We cannot let Green Bay establish their run game. I think that Green Bay's game plan is going to be, you're going, I think we're going to see it early. They're going to come out running the ball, and they're going to come out and get the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands. Aaron Rodgers does not like to get hit. He does not want to get hit. And if we want to win this game, I think that we have to hit him early and often. Get him yelling at his offensive line. Get him yelling at his players. Get them separate as a team. Because the only way we, the only way Green Bay wins this game is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah. I think he is he is the key. He is the key for them. And and I think going further beyond that. Stopping the run is absolutely huge. Uh, Matt LaFleur, the head coach of the Packers, obviously brother of Mike LaFleur, the Jets offensive coordinator. This is the second week in a row where the Jets will be going against an offensive scheme that's practically the exact same as their own, minus a few variations here and there. But at its core, they're basically the same systems. That's going to be a help for their defense overall. And one thing that I would like to see, and they've gone away from it a little bit, over the last couple of weeks, but I think this might be the week to bring it back. Like I just said, I'm not too worried about the Packers weapons at receiver. I love Romeo dubs. I loved him coming out. I think he's going to be eventually a, a fantastic receiver in the NFL and is already starting to show that he can be, but he's still a rookie. And I have a lot of faith in our secondary. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of faith in our cornerback group. They're playing towards the top of the league caliber of football right now. So I think this might just be the game where if you get into the right situation and you get into a third and long, Aaron Rodgers doesn't like being hit. Okay, let's put some pressure in his face. Let's send a blitz. Let's be a little aggressive. Well, I don't think if this is the game where you want to be bend but don't break the entire time and have the 13-play, 75-yard drive that takes up nine and a half minutes. I, I'm... I don't think that's going to be the way you, you go about winning. I think the way you go about winning is controlling the clock on offense, taking your chances on defense and trying to force some turnovers. If you can get Aaron Rodgers to turn the ball over, then that's going to be a big help. So I think you can send some extra pressure, trust your back end and man coverage to hold up against these receivers. Cause I know Rogers, I know what he does <laughs> against zero looks. He's going to, uh, he's going to audible to a max protection and he's going to try and throw deep. Okay. Try it. Try it on these guys. If that's what you want to do, go right ahead. And Sauce Gardner will carry Romeo Dobbs down the field all day long. I think if you you back off and you let Rodgers sit in the pocket and you give him time to dance around and, and move and scramble and find somebody, he's going to do the classic, roll to his right, whip a ball over the middle, 35 yards, Randall Cobb, catch and run, and it's a backbreaker. I think you can't be scared against this team. I think you can't be fearful of anything they have outside and can Rogers kill you with his arm? Absolutely. But if you're making Aaron Rodgers throw 40 yard down 40 yards down the field off his back foot with a man in his face, and he's still beating you, you tried your best. Like we always say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and with this game, we talked about it all, you know, 
we talked about it all season long so far where we're talking about how other teams it's not like guys are running wide open they're they're making some really good contested catches yes ever there was a game that you're going to have to defend for our secondary there is no time that you can ever feel that you have your man locked down you have to re- as long as that when that ball is snapped as long as that ball is in play and Aaron Rodgers has the ball in his hands you have to operate from the assumption that the guy that you're checking is open and i say that to say this there is no other quarterback in the national football league that throws a better contested ball and what i mean by that meaning his wide receiver is covered he puts the ball whether it's back shoulder it doesn't matter where it is Aaron Rodgers is going to give his receivers an opportunity to make plays. I'm concerned about blitzing because the one area of the field that I think that from a passing standpoint that the Packers are going to attack, I think they're going to attack us in the middle of the field. I really do. I don't think that they're going to throw over top of sauce. Sauce is going to go up and he's going to pick that ball off where we're weak. If we bring pressure and even if we don't bring pressure, the area of the field that we have to make sure we defend is we have to make sure that we're defending the middle of the field this is also a game that when it comes to our pass rush and our pass rush Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks in the pocket I mean yes we could look at Patrick Mahomes and and we could look at Lamar and what they do what they do has everything to do with their ability Aaron Rodgers in the pocket that is a skill Yep, that's an art what he does and we cannot allow Aaron Rodgers to manipulate the pocket step up in the pocket because now he is a quarterback that will use his legs the other thing that we have to that we have to be mindful of in this game and this is concerning for me our defensive line is doing a great job of generating pressure on the quarterback all right there is no quarterback in the NFL that uses this weapon the way he does, which completely, in my opinion, neutralizes and slows down your rush. And that is Aaron Rodgers with that snap count. Yes. Oh, my God. Rodgers is the best hard counter in the league, and it's not even a competition. And that right there, all right, that there is the thing that we have to watch out for. We cannot get caught in substitution issues because he's the best in the league at recognizing when you're trying to sub, get his guys up to the offensive line and get a free play where he's taking a shot down the field. These are all the little things that Aaron Rodgers does that makes him great, that makes him a Hall of Famer, that makes any time you're playing against him, regardless of what his weapons are, he himself is just like an ultimate weapon. Last week, we had to stop the ultimate weapon and Tyreek Hill did a great job of doing that. This week, defense, it is all about your discipline. We cannot give them free five-yard plays by allowing Aaron Rodgers to get us to jump off sides. At the same time, we can't be so worried about the snap count that we're not getting off the ball. Because if we give Aaron Rodgers time, I I think that they, they do a great job of drawing up route concepts to put themselves in the best position. And so... Stopping, watching the snap count is going to be critical. 
Never think that your guy is locked down because even if you're blanketed all over him, Aaron Rodgers is going to put that ball up and he's going to put the ball in a position to where his wide receiver has a legit opportunity to come down with it. That's why in this game, after weathering the storm, after not allowing them to establish the run, after being prepared to, to, to deal with the contested throws, the thing that we have to be ready for is this. Whenever they do play action, Aaron Rodgers is looking to go deep to check down to the back. Yep. He is looking to go deep to the check down to the back. We have to make sure that we are eyeing the running backs in the passing game this week. Jones is his number one receiver when he's throwing to the when he's throwing the ball out of the backfield. I think that Green Bay's game plan is right along with what you said. They're going to try to have these 11, 12, and 13 play drives that's going to eat up the clock. If we can force them into third and long, if we can keep them from doing that college-style offense, because I think that that's how they're going to come out. I think they're going to come out running the ball, and they're going to come out doing different types of screens, different types of read option looks where we yep. know Aaron Rodgers is not going to run the ball. He's just doing all of this all of this stuff back there just to try to manipulate the defense. That's what I think that we're going to see, which leads to my next point. The offense has to score points. This is not a game where we, I don't think that we can afford to be poor on third down. And this is a game where I do not think that we can afford to get down by 10 or 13 points. Because if we do that in Green Bay, I think that that's a tough task to ask these, to ask this young team to come back from that. Yeah, I think so too. I think the Jets playing from behind in Lambeau Field is a recipe for disaster. The, the Jets having to come back against Aaron Rodgers is, is going to be a really, really tall task. And you had alluded to this a little bit. The last thing I want to say about the defense, I think the X factor of this game outside of Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Jones. Yes. And how the Jets cover Aaron Jones as a receiver, because that was a weakness for them last year. And by some grace of God, no one's decided to test them with it this year so far. Regardless of the the talented receiving backs that they face, Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, um, I'm sure there's someone else. Kareem Hunt was another one in Cleveland. Uh, you have Raheem Mostert as in the backfield. Miles Gaskins, a good receiver, you know, in Miami. For whatever reason, teams just aren't featuring their running backs in the pass game against the Jets. And I think if this is the week it happens and Aaron Jones catches seven passes for 120 yards and, you know, a touchdown, I think this is going to be a potential blowout by the Packers. I think that could be what, what snaps this defense in half would be having to defend Aaron Jones out of the backfield on top of everything else. Like you're saying with their horizontal, um, passes and screens and the reverses that they're going to try and fit in. If you have to worry about covering Aaron Jones too, I think that's going to make it a really tough task. So for me, this is where I think it works as a transition. My biggest point defensively is also my biggest point. Offensively, the jets have to dominate time of possession. They have to keep the ball in their hands. And I think if you can be the team, if you're the Jets that gets the 15 play 75 yard touchdown drive that takes nine minutes off the clock. I think that's going to do a lot more for you than 
the seven play two and a half minute drive. Do you want to have explosives? Absolutely. You don't want to just be a dink and dunk offense the entire time. But I think this is the game you lean on Brees Hall. This is the game you let him get behind his pads. Let's get Jeremy Ruckert involved and have him as the fullback if we need to. And let's go show this Packers defensive line that we mean business. Because if they can't move this Packers front off the ball, and it's a very good Packers front by recognition, but statistically they've had some struggles this year. If they can't move this Packers front off the ball, Green Bay's defense is going to do whatever it wants. And they're not going to worry uh, about anything on the outside because the Green Bay secondary is really, really good. I think Jair Alexander is one of the more underrated corners in the league. I think he's a top five player at his position. And I think he could perfectly match up with any of our receivers as good as they are. I think this is the best secondary the Jets have faced since week one in Baltimore or at, uh, against Baltimore. If you just try and be downfield throw, you know, we're going to carve you up with, with our receivers all game. I think you're going to struggle a lot. And so defensively, I have my biggest worry of this uh, game plan in terms of focusing on Brees, hoping the run game can win downhill, getting to uh, get ahead of the chains on first down. Good God, please block Kenny Clark, please. Uh, that <laughs> easier said than done, yeah. but but he can be what ruins the game on offense. Like Aaron Jones can be what ruins the game uh, for the jets on defense. If mm-hmm. Kenny Clark is throwing Connor McGovern out of the club, uh, as soon as the ball is snapped, it's going to be a long day. If Kenny Clark can be contained, if Devonte Wyatt can be slowed down, if Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith are having to worry about the run game and can't just pin their ears back and come off the edge, I think that's going to do a hell of a lot to help out the Jets offense. And I think it will play in later as the game goes on to open up some of the play action passes and open up some of the downfield shots that they want to do. Quite honestly, Lamont, there's a lot of games where I'm looking at it from a, a matchup standpoint specific of which team the Jets are playing that week. And I think the Jets are going to have to do something different than what their normal game plan of what they try and do every week is. This week, I think there's the best thing they can do is just be themselves, be the yeah. truest version of themselves they can. Be bend, but don't break on defense. Don't be too complicated. Blitz on third down if you get into the opportunity and trust your coverage. And Don't try and be something you're not on defense, which leads to miscommunications and a busted coverage for Rodgers to pick apart. Offensively, be that strong running team. Establish the run on early downs. Get ahead of the chains. Set up those play actions later in the game. Then you can start factoring in all the other horizontal screen quick game stuff that we've seen the Jets do. You can call the sweep to Barrios at the end of the game that's going to go for a 20-yard touchdown because defenders are going to have to play the edge to the front side if Brees Hall's been killing them there all day. I, I Offense for me, if the Jets can't run the ball in this game, they will lose because if they have to be... If they get forced into third and long, that's when Gary and Preston Smith are going to make their lives hell and the secondary is going to clamp down. And if Aaron Rodgers is just getting 15 possessions to work with, then that's going to be tough for their defense to handle for the entire game. The best thing they can do is stay ahead of the chains, keep control of the clock, keep control of time of possession. And the best way to defend Aaron Rodgers is making him sit on the bench. I'm with you on that. I agree that we just, we just need to be who we are. Listen, I don't think that Green Bay can hold up in our passing game. I just don't. 
if Green Bay is going to play man-to-man defense and if they watch the Dolphins game, if it's one thing that they know is that we will get our backs involved in the game, which spreads the defense out more and is going to open up the middle of the field, if they don't get pressure on Zach, I think that we carve them up defensively. I, I truly believe that it, it first, like I said, I agree with you about as far when it comes to, hey, we got to establish the run game. We can't allow, we can't have, what we can't have is Green Bay go on this long drive, eat up the clock, and then the offense comes and gets a three and out. If 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 that's happening too much, then yes, this is going to be a Lambo. The, the, the people in Minnesota are going to be, I mean, the people in Green Bay are just going to be celebrating because their team is just going to destroy us. I don't think that they can hold up in the passing game against our wide receiver core. As, as good as they are, as far as I'm concerned, when I look at the teams that they've played this year, with the exception of maybe Minnesota, I don't like. I don't think that Minnesota, Chicago, Tampa, New England, and the Giants, neither one of them has a wide receiver core that's as dangerous as the Jets' wide receiver core. Tampa wasn't healthy. Um, New England, we know what they are. We know what Chicago is. We know in Minnesota they have Thielen and Jefferson, but that's pretty much it. And we know with the Giants, they're all Saquon Barkley. I don't think that Green Bay's defense has seen a wide receiver core that's as dangerous as the one that they're about to play this week. And I really think that I, I truly believe in my heart that if we can keep Zach upright and we can give routes down the field time to develop, I, I, I think we put a lot of points up on Green Bay. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if this game were – it wouldn't surprise me one bit if both teams scored over 21, 23 points in this game. It wouldn't surprise I, me. One. I could see it. I, I could, I could see it. And I'm going to be honest. I don't totally disagree with you that. I think the Packers secondary hasn't faced a challenge as tough as this. I'd argue that ju- covering Justin Jefferson period is as much of a challenge as, as anybody else, but a total collective skill group of talent. I don't know if the Packers have faced a team as good as the Jets this week, but you said it right there at the end, Lamont. That's my worry. If they can keep Zach Wilson upright, I don't know if they can because Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary are whipping people this year. Rashawn Gary is, is living up to his first round pick status, 12th overall pick a few years ago. He's finally coming into his own and he's having a really good year. Preston Smith on the other side has been one of the more underrated edge rushers in the league since he was on the, uh, the commanders. And now he's even in, been in green Bay for the past few years and he's still kicking butt. I'm worried about that. I'm worried that Dwayne Brown isn't healthy. Mm. I'm worried that Elijah Vera Tucker as great as he was as excellent as he was. I think it's foolish to expect him to play his second ever game at right tackle against Rashawn Gary and be perfect. I think it's foolish to expect Dwayne Brown in his second game coming off IR. Remember (laughs) that he had no training camp because he wasn't signed by a team and barely practiced in the preseason before he got hurt. Barely any practice time for Dwayne Brown expecting him to come in in his second start of the year and lock up Preston Smith for the entire game. I think that's a tall task too. So while I agree, I think that our receivers aren't just going to be completely and totally stymied and that there's no point throwing the ball because the Packers secondary is so good. I don't know if they're going to have time, if Zach is going to have time in the pocket to get them the ball down the field and back them out of that man coverage. Because if I'm the Packers and you're playing man coverage and the Jets just want to throw quick underneath all day, that's fine because you got someone there that can rally and tackle right away. 
unless you can take advantage over the top and make some explosive plays down the field, then I worry that the Packers are just going to sit in man all day and hope for the best. The counterpoint to that, and this is something I've seen. I always, uh, I always like doing this. I always like getting a bead from other fan bases. And I know fans don't always know everything, but you can always tell people that seriously follow their teams and generally have an idea when you see the same thing over and over from a bunch of different people, there's likely some truth to it. And the one thing that I've seen from Packers fans about their defense is they hate how passive their defense has been over the first couple of weeks and that they're not playing a ton of man coverage. They're playing a lot of off. They're playing a lot of zone. They're playing a lot of cover four. And it's leading to a lot of space underneath for teams to dink and dunk and rally and and get down the field. So if they're going to give that for free, then I don't see any reason to change the game plan and try and and run through a brick wall. If the underneath is going to be open for free yards, then do it. And this is where my last point offensively, I think this could be a huge game for Corey Davis, the slot receiver. Mm -hmm. I think if you can get him in the slot one, I think it's going to help your run game. If you ever run any of your crack plays where you got a guy like him coming down on a linebacker, I'd much rather have him blocking than Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson. On top of that, I think that the Packers secondary, their corners on the outside being Stokes and Alexander are really, really strong. I don't know so much about their nickelback. I don't know so much about Rasul Douglas as he a solid player. Yes, but I don't know if he's going to be able to match up as well with Corey the entire game. And I think Corey can use his size to be that strong over the middle player that we've seen a little bit throughout this year. I think this could be a sneaky big game for Corey Davis in the slot. And that could be a way if the Packers are going to be playing a lot of zone, then let him get on the linebacker, let him outrun the linebacker. Let's let him box out their slot corner. Um, I'm hopeful that, this is going to be a game where the Packers outsmart themselves or the Packers are, are too stubborn to adjust what they've been doing. And it allows the jets to try to play into their hand because if the Packers are going to be playing a lot of off and they're not going to be loading the box. Then that's only going to help Brees Hall in the run game. That's only going to help keep the chains going with him. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm worried about this game. I'm going to be honest. I think talent-wise and experience-wise, you can't deny what the Green Bay Packers are. You can't deny how, regardless of their playoff success, they've won, I think it's at least 12 games the last three years. Mm-hmm. That They're a very, very strong team, and Lambeau Field is one of the toughest places to play, period. This is not going to be an easy game. But there is a path for the Jets to win, and I think at the end of the day, it's, it's more about what the Packers do than it is about what the Jets do. Yeah, I, I would say this. To me, it's always going to be about what the Jets do. Like, this is our team. This is the team that we cover. So as far as I'm concerned, and this is how it was as a player. It's not about the other team. It's always about us. And I'm not overly concerned about Zach Wilson because when you look at the quarterbacks that they have played, this is the best mobile quarterback that Green Bay is going to play. They played against Tom Brady. They played against Kirk Cousins. They played against Justin Fields. Um, you know, they played Daniel against Jones last week, who's mobile, but not in the pocket, who's yes. mobile, but not good at avoiding pressure. And there's a huge difference with that. Yeah, exactly. And they only sacked him one time last week. He was 21 for 27 and gave up one sack. If, if, if you're telling me that Daniel Jones can go 21 for 27 and only get sacked once, 
against the Green Bay Packers defense and having only Saquon Barkley, I'm saying that regardless of what our offensive line situation is, that our weapons are entirely too dangerous. And with Zach Wilson's ability to move, I, I just, I, listen, <clears throat> don't get penalties, early penalties on, on, don't get behind the chains offensively. That's what we can't have. We can't be first and 15, second and 15, second and 20. If, if, if that's what we're doing, then Green Bay is going to beat the heck out of us. If we can stay ahead of the sticks and, like you said, just do what we do, I think this offense is going to score some points. It's just we can't get caught defensively jumping off sides. We can't give up free yards by doing substitutions at the wrong time. And from the offensive side of the ball, we absolutely – we have to have two games in a row where we take care of the ball. That's what it's going to come down to. I think when it's all said and done, this game is going to come down to which team is able to take care of the ball. If we don't turn the ball over and we're able to get Aaron Rodgers to turn the ball over, we're going to win this game. And I'm just going to say it, I'm just going to say it here. When you look at the end of this game, you don't have to, you don't even have to look at the game. You can just go to the end of the stats and just look at turnovers. Whichever team turns the ball over the most, that is going to be the team that loses. I'm not worried about any other stat. I'm not worried about any other thing that we've talked about today. What this game is going to come down to is which team is able to take care of the ball. Yes, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of the Green Bay, Pack Green Bay Packers. So, yeah, there is a legitimate chance that you're going to have a hard time stopping them. But the fact of the matter is, is the Jets, they have weapons. This is Zach's third game coming back. And and if we if if you want to be taken seriously as the Jets, then you go into Green Bay and you win this game. Yes. Is it a hostile environment? Yes. But as far as I'm concerned, the Jets are a very hostile team. Coach Sal has got these guys going. They thrive in those environments. Exactly. If there is a team, listen. You wouldn't, nobody would have said this at the beginning of the season, but if there's a team that can surprise you and go into Lambeau and get a victory, why not this Jets team? This offense has too many weapons. This Packers defense has not seen the weapons that, that we have. And if you look at it from a defensive standpoint, I think we have more depth than them. If we need to substitute our entire defensive line in, I feel really good about the backups that are coming in. And yes, I don't know what That's JJ. A good point. I don't know what JJ's status is, but if this is a closely contested game, I just think that we have more bodies than they do. So, so listen, it goes back to weather the first quarter, weather the storm in the first quarter. If we weather the storm in the first quarter and this game is close in the, for, in the, in the first quarter, then I think that there is a good chance that the Jets can go into Lambeau and get a victory. It's a tall task. Yes, it is a tall task. But this is not the same Jets team that we've been talking about and covering for years. This is a Robert Sala coach team. These guys, in my opinion, they have earned um, at least some type of recognition that says that, you know what? I think that this team can go into Green Bay and walk away with a victory. I think they have. And I think you're 100% right. I think it's going to be third down and turnovers. And I think we can just have that on repeat for the rest of the year that it doesn't matter your opponent. If you went on third down and you win the turnover margin, you're probably going to do pretty good for the game. Uh, I think yeah, that's, that's a given. Play. I'm sorry. And avoid the big play. Like, uh, the, right. Force Green Bay to drive the ball down the field. Don't give up yards by getting a stupid pass interference call on a ball that's thrown 50 yards down, oh. down the field. 
and now you've just allowed them to change field. Don't position. get me started. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't, don't, don't get me started. All right, Lamont, let's get to our bets for the week. As always, presented by BetOnline.ag. I gave you the opening floor uh, last week, but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna take the start this time. Looking at this game. I think it could very easily go either way. I'm not going to be surprised whatsoever if the Packers win this game. They won a lot of games at home against teams that I think could potentially even be better than the Jets are right now, and it wouldn't surprise me. That said, I do think there is a path to victory for the Jets as we've laid out. I don't think it's that crazy. I think they thrive in these hostile environments, and I think the way they perform in the fourth quarter is at the point where it's not luck anymore. It's a trend. Mm -hmm. It's not a coincidence. It's, It's how they play. And when that fourth quarter happens, I think they turn into a different team. So I think exactly how this game is going to go out is going to be exactly what you said. Whether the first quarter storm, I think there's going to be a time when the Jets probably get down by a touchdown and are going to have to fight their way back. And that fourth quarter is going to roll around and you're going to see the Jets wake up and become the team that we've seen them become when games get towards the end. So that's why my pick for this week, I'm doing a margin of victory pick. The spread is currently negative uh, minus seven and a half for the Packers money line jets are plus two forty, but a margin of victory of the jets one to six, the jets win by one to six points on betonline.ag right now is plus 500. That's wow. my bet of the week. Mm. If the, I think if the jets win, I don't think this is going to be a blowout like we saw last week against the dolphins. I think this is a much more talented team than the Dolphins. I think this is a much, 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 much more talented quarterback than the Dolphins just had. So I could see the Jets winning. I don't think it's going to be an absolute crazy monster win. And I think that there's a very good scenario that this game gets close and they get into the fourth quarter and they're able to win on potentially a late field goal or they're down by three points and they get the late fourth quarter touchdown that puts them up four points. I think a one to six point New York Jets victory is the most likely way the Jets win. And that's at plus 500. You know me, I'm always looking for those big pluses. I don't like taking bets on negative, uh, negative odds. So give me the plus 500 and the Jets uh, with one to six points for a victory. I think there's a good chance it happens. Mm, so, and what, so what I'm hearing is you're predicted the Jets to win. I think the Jets will win. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, but they that fourth quarter where it was the fourth quarter in Pittsburgh, the fourth quarter in Cleveland, and now the fourth quarter they had against Miami, they're outscoring teams. I think it's 36 to three in the fourth quarter this year. They're yeah, right. Yeah. They're they're <laughs> Zach Wilson's passer rating in the fourth quarter is like 124. So mm. they're playing some incredible, incredible ball. Their turnover margin, I think, is like plus four. I think that fourth quarter Jets is what's going to win them this game. And based on what I saw last week from the Packers, who just blew a game in London to the Giants, I trust the Jets at the end of the game a lot more than I trust the Packers right now. I know that's right. I know that's right. Hey, I, I, I've gone back and forth on this game. Um, I really do think that the Jets can get this victory. Um, as you know, I talked about what I thought the record would be in the first five games. And I thought that the the Jets would finish at three and two. And when I looked at that, I said, okay, I'm going to see where we are at three. And, you know, before we come into this green Bay game 
And then after that, I'll just kind of give my prediction on what I think is going to happen for the next five games. I think these next five games, the Jets go three and two. I think they have two games against the Patriots, one against the Bills. They play the Packers, and I believe they play the Bears are our next five games. I'll get the schedule out here and double check that. I know they play Green Bay this week, New England next week, and their last game before the bye is Buffalo. I'm trying to remember where else. Yeah, I know they play the Patriots twice. They play the Bills once. They play the Packers, and then they play the, the Bears. I'm, I'm I'm almost certain, unless I'm missing a team. Gotcha. The five games, yes. So it's at, at Green Bay. The week after that is at Denver. Denver, then definitely. they have home against the Patriots, home against the Bills, bye week at New England, home against Chicago. I think in these next five games, the Jets will do the same thing they did in these previous five games. I think that they'll finish three and two. I think, and I'm just going to stick to this game. I don't know about this game. Aaron Rodgers scares me. It's Green Bay after a loss. And it's Green Bay and Lambeau Field. Yeah. Pissed off Rodgers is is terrifying. Yes, the pissed off Rodgers. So I'm going to go. It's, it, we're flipping here. I'm going to take the safe route this week, and I'm just going to take the Jets at plus seven. I, I, I think that um, regardless of what happens, that the Jets will cover this spread. I think this is going to be a close game. I don't see Green Bay blowing us out. Um, I really do think that the Jets have a legitimate chance of winning this game. I'm just not as confident in this game as I was in the Dolphins game. So my bet of the week is I'm going to take the Jets to the plus seven. I like that too, because I think, I, like you said, I think it'll be a close game the whole time. I don't think this is going to be a game where either team, I don't think either team has the capability to stop the other team from scoring enough and score themselves to make this a lopsided affair. Uh, I think even if the Packers offense is humming, I think the Jets offense can do enough to keep things going. And I think if the Jets offense gets going, you're never going to completely shut down Aaron Rodgers. So hoping for that is just going to be a waste of your own hopes. Uh, yeah, I like our bets. I think if the Jets win, it's going to be a close one. And I think that it's very, very likely that they cover the plus seven, which honestly I think is a bit of a disrespectful spread. And I think that that it could be less than that. And I was going to expect about minus four and a half, minus five, not minus seven. <laughs> I, was just, I was the same way. When I opened up and I looked, when I opened up uh, Bet Online and I saw what the spread was, I was like, oh, man, I'm taking this all day. I think this is a gimme. No, I don't blame it all. I don't blame it all. All right, Lamont, that does it for this week. Thanks, as always, to everybody for listening. Hope you got some good bets and some good info. Hoping for a good game on Sunday in Lambeau. Either way, should be some entertainment. I'm expecting some some fun between these two teams. I don't think this is going to be a bitter, bloody beatdown. You got two coaching uh, coaches, head coaches, that are quite literally best friends. I think that's going to be the number one thing. If there's any communication between the two of them, it's – Yes, you know, gloves are off. It's the NFL. We're fighting. We're not holding anything back. But I don't think this is going to be the game where you're seeing anything dirty. I don't think this is going to be a game where you're seeing players, you know, having huge scruffs or any issues. They've had joint practices with this team in the past. So I'm expecting a good game. I know you're expecting the same. Thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you to betonline.ag for sponsoring. And we will be back next week to review the Packers game. Look ahead to Denver, which I think is going to be, spoiler alert, I think the Jets are going to beat the crap out of the Broncos. Can't wait for that one.
<laughs> Spoiler alert, I second that. All right, good. We are in agreement. Thanks again once one more time for listening, and we'll be back real soon. Bye-bye. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube